Hi, I'm Elise. I'm Matt, and welcome to Pod Wraiths, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. If this is your first time joining us, we're two friends watching Star Trek Deep Space Nine and sharing both our deep and irreverent thoughts on our favorite Star Trek series. This week, we're talking about Season 4, Episode 14, Return to Grace, teleplay by Hans Beamler and directed by Jonathan West. Return to Grace aired on February 5th, 1996. This week on Deep Space Nine, Kira and Galdicott chased the Cleon Bird of Prey that destroyed a Cardassian outpost where Cardassian and Bajoran representatives were holding a conference. We'll start this episode as we do with every episode. Elise, did you or did you not remember this episode? Not I the only thing I remembered that like sprung from this episode was that ZL comes to stay on Deep Space Nine. I did not remember that this was the episode where that got decided, and I did not remember the plot of this episode at all. So no, not really. Yeah, it's it's definitely like an interesting an interesting turn for some of the characters. And this feels like Deep Space Nine really kind of leaning not full on leaning into like they will later the serialization, but picking up on seeds that they sowed earlier, right? Because the episode where Kira and Ducat, you know, investigate the freighter and then end up rescuing Zial and all those folks like from the Breen and everything else, you might never see her again. Right. right? Exactly. Whereas now they've brought her back and now they've put her on the station and Ducat had you know, consequences, you know, from bringing back his, his love child that, you know, tradition demanded that he murder and like all of this stuff. And now he's become a privateer with a Cleon bird of prey. So yeah, lots of, lots of picking up on threads and, and laying threads for future stories, which on a serialized or no, sorry, on a syndicated, um, TV show and first-run syndication, you wouldn't have seen a lot. For sure. And, like, I know I say this every single time this happens, but I just do not understand how Kira could just, like, be in the same room as Dukat. Um, I feel like a broken record at this point, and I know that if the way I felt it should be stood in the episode, then we would never get any conflict between these two characters ever because they would just never be in the same uh, vicinity but um I do enjoy actually like even though it makes no sense to me I do enjoy the episodes where they're interacting most of the time as long as he's not being too creepy um he made some which is when like (laughs) sorry I don't like when he flirts with her like it's fine to tease and like talk about like their like stuff but i don't like when he like sometimes he's like i don't know sometimes he flirts and i don't like it i didn't feel that way in this episode for what it's worth like he definitely was a little your boyfriend slept with all your friends probably (laughs) but um yeah they're having dinner together and she says that she sees him as a murderer and she can't see him as anything else and i'm like how can you have dinner with him then like you're not captive on this vessel. Like, you could have had dinner alone, probably. <laughs> or, like, taking your food back to your quarters. I think... I'm gonna just, like, preempt your note in here. Because <laughs> you did... You do mention that I love enemies to lovers t- tropes. Um, 
I think that one thing I don't enjoy is like a bully romance, whereas the person kind of bullied mm. the other person, which mm. is a little bit more severe. Yeah. And while Gul yeah. Dukat may not have like individually bullied Kira, I mean, he would have killed her in, in their previous life, you know? Yeah. So it's yeah. not the same. Enemies is like, okay, maybe we like, there's too much between them for it to work for me. Yep. No, I yeah. I think that's that's totally fair. Um, I think in terms of why she's in the same room as him and whatever, like, yeah, you're right. That because it creates drama from like a production standpoint, um, good storytelling standpoint. But right. like the 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 conflict is their jobs and like the yes. interaction, yeah. you know, there. So like that's that's why she she stomachs it because she kind of has to in certain circumstances it's like right you have to i mean he definitely we don't I, like all the time yeah but. i get that she has to work with him like that is not but also yeah. he's space hitler so like. yeah like i think it's just the having dinner and it's not like in previous interactions i feel like yeah he might have forced her to have dinner with him like in like a you know raiders of the lost ark like put on this sexy dress kind of way <laughs> um like marion has to wear that like dress or whatever but like this is not the dynamic they have currently so it just just feels extra um he's not i one last initial thought um he's not named yet in this episode but the officer that was on the cardassian ship we later know as damar um and i believe this is his first episode i'm just gonna call him that even though they're the show's not calling him (laughs) that yet spoilers i guess for a character's (laughs) name (laughs) (laughs) uh you are correct and jonathan west the director when casey biggs who plays damar agreed to read for the part and then do it was elated because it was such kind of a small part and that's why he he gave him you know lots of close-ups or hi ellie Um, i hear her hello ellie and you know etc etc um and biggs was also told that and I mean, whether this this comes to pass or not, you know, we'll we'll find out. But that the writers had plans for Damar, so he was kind of came on to do this this small part with the promise of there maybe being future works. So, but he definitely got he definitely you definitely felt his presence more than you know in other episodes. The extra just being you know the extra number three Cardassian officer number two on the bridge or whatever. Right. Yeah. So. I think then when they went, cause I always watch with subtitles. Um, they just, it's just as like officer as his name in the subtitles. Yeah. And I, I didn't watch in the credits. I should have, I looked at memory alpha alpha after and it, it listed him, Casey Biggs as, as Damar, but also that's memory alpha and they know have the future knowledge that we do as well. So I didn't pay attention to the credits enough. Yeah, I turned off the show when the credits started. And the opening credits, I, mean, I usually skip through on my second watch anyway. Now you know all my secrets. Because <laughs> uh, yeah, with the Apple TV, it's easy to just pause it and like thumb over the like touch part of the remote to like get a little further. And I wait till it says like Michael Pillar's name and then I press play again. Because that's like one of the last... Uh, uh, credits to come up. Yeah, yeah. So as a uh, Matt uh-huh. said in the um, 
summary, the they are our friends and enemies, I guess, are um, on their way to this conference where Cardassians and Bajorans are. I said that so backwards. Um, they go to this outpost where there's supposed to be a conference. That's what I meant to say. Um, but when they arrive, the outpost is uh, everyone's dead. What happened to them? <laughs> well, there is a Klingon vessel, and amusingly, it scans this freighter that they're on, the Golducott's freighter, and it's like, eh, these people are no threat. Peace out. Um, but obviously, bow, 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 <laughs> obviously, bow. those people Peace uh, out. are the ones who, I guess, murdered everyone at the outpost. I don't really remember that how they knew that officially, or if they just like made an assumption. <laughs> I mean, I think it was a pretty um, logical assumption to make. One, two, I'm sure they can d- detect trace amounts of, you know, whether it was like Klingon weapons or, or right. whatever, right? What type of disruptors there? And I mean, obviously, we know that the Klingons are at war with Cardassia, so I mean, yes. it's a, it's a it's a fair assumption. Yeah, actually, we, it's funny. Um, at the beginning of the episode, war, uh, when when Kira's getting all of her like inoculations uh, to go to this outpost, um, yeah, Bashir's like explaining that the Cardassians have been like having a lot of disease pop up uh, during uh, during this conflict, and Worf comes in with like a list of stuff that Starfleet doesn't want her to share with regarding Klingon. Um, weapons which i was just the whole thing felt very murky in a, in a funny way to me <clears throat> um but yeah so the klingon ship is just a lot more powerful than this freighter um gold Ducat is just like this freighter sucks basically <laughs> everything that kira suggests to do to like fight them gold Ducat's like yeah we don't have that <laughs> and not even in like in a it's getting installed on tuesday way that they, they just like don't have <laughs> they just don't have it so they have to think outside the box and come up with some other way to lure the Cardassians into a fight, and they pre- they're going to pretend that they have some important cargo that the Klingons are going to want to steal, which I thought was very silly. There was a lot of tactical planning and stuff, but that didn't really interest me very much. Um, I was way more interested in the conversations between Hira and Golducott that were more about their lives than the actual conflict in this episode with the Klingons. I mean, yeah, I don't know. How did you feel about that? About which the episode or no, like which, I don't know. Were you as bored with the Klingon plot as I was is basically my question, I guess. Not bored. Um, I was like, I was like more or less ambivalent, but again, like that's all like that's plot, but like it supports and it's there for um the like character development and the ways in which you know it's the situation forces again (laughs) kira and ducat to work together and then obviously we have their different approaches where ducat is very like military proper this is what we do we can't do this that way we had to do that that way and and kira being a former like resistance fighter she's like well you have to use what you're you're given and change your tactics and you know share some of her her knowledge there so like that worked for me um it's interesting how quickly narice can fall into that pattern 
um, right. in terms of being able to think tactically like that there's and, that one, and everything there's else. There's that one line where she's like, all right, well, if we're going to fight with them, try to hit them in that one spot because that's their weakest. Like, it, she's just, like, so quickly, as you said, like, just switches to be like, okay, well, this is what we have to do. Yeah, and even then after they're under the immediate danger, she's, like, even more, like, all into doing it. And it's, it's, hmm, what am I trying to say? It's almost like it, it's old hat. It's comfortable. It's putting on, like, you know, a nice worn-in pair of jeans or, or shoes or Birkenstocks. There we go. Birkenstocks that are, are worn in um, and all nice and nice and comfy cozy. Um, this is not the same thing. But this is, I'm going to take, I'm going to tell everyone about a compliment I got this week. <laughs> um, Please. Or last week. Um, I work in logistics. Um, and that is often how my brain works. Like, okay, this is a, this is a problem. Like, what do we do to fix it? And I don't often act that way in my, in my, in my actual personal life. But on, um. <laughs> one 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 day this past week our the air conditioning stopped working at home and like I like immediately sprung into action on like okay we have to do this we have to call the HVAC guy blah 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 and um friend of the podcast told me she was very impressed and I was like thank you <laughs> anyway it's not the same but you know so a little, a little uh, insight oh the air conditioning got fixed like an hour and a half two hours later so yay one thing that it's common throughout a lot of Ducat's appearances on the show whether he's with Kira or he's conversing with with Cisco or, or anyone is he likes to hmm, I don't know if like exert dominance but he's trying to like give himself the upper hand in the interaction whatever interaction it is by disclosing that he knows more he knows something about them that they don't think he knows right right and in in this case it's Ducat knowing that Kira's in the relationship with with Shakar which we talked about last week um that was last week right Crossfire was that was the Odo incel episode I believe I think so. that was the last one yes. we covered wasn't it yeah you'll get caught yeah. up in the crossfire yes I used my um, phone as a microphone when I did that, even though I have a physical microphone in front of me. Right right in front of you? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but like Ducat acknowledges it. And then he mentions that as far as his intelligence reports go back from, you know, his prefect days during the, during occupation that apparently Shakar bedded all the, all the ladies in the <laughs> resistance cell except Kira. And now he's completed the set. Um, how did you feel about that? Um, it's funny because I was rewatching Kill Bill volume one last night and it never occurred to me because even though spoilers for kill bill volumes one and two even though we know that bill was like fucking the bride and then l driver daryl hannah's character leader it didn't occur to me until talking with tessa last night while we were watching it that bill's probably fucked all of them like he was and like grooming them and probably and um oh sounds like we better kill him exactly um it it, it kind of feels a little bit gross is I guess what I'm trying to get at but also like 
When you're in a resistance cell, I imagine your life is pretty stressful and there are really, <laughs> sex is a really nice way to de-stress. So like, I'm not really judging anybody on that. Kira is not stupid. She probably knows all of that information. Um, and I feel like if it bothered her, she would not get involved with him. <laughs> Um, I don't think Shakar is as manipulative as a manipulative person in the same way that like Bill would be in Kill Bill. I don't yeah. mean to like compare yeah. them, but I'm just saying like it. It was funny to like watch that last night, and then when I watched the episode this morning, being like, oh, it's kind of similar. Well, yeah, I think ultimately at the end of the day, Shakar is just you know running his resistance cell, like you know I run my my party in Baldur's Gate three. You're just trying to create, you know, a polycule of like all the hot people around you, just like that one <laughs> ship and crew in the Expanse, or you know Holden's Holden's parents are like in a like polyamorous sort of like you know group marriage sort mm-hmm. of situation. I'm always so, trying to like yeah. get. I want my like Normandy from Mass Effect. Like, I want everyone on there banging. Like, I get it. Okay, explain to me what Baldur's Gate 3 is, because I keep hearing about it, and I have no idea what this is. So, it is a video game. Um, The PlayStation 5 port just came out, like, a week or so ago. Is it an old Um, game? As of time of this recording. No, no, no. Just the, like... Yes and no. So the the PC version came out at the beginning of August, but okay. it was in early access for like a couple of years, so you could play like so much of it while they were like developing it. But yeah, no, it just it more or less just came out. Um, it's like based on Dungeons and Dragons, um, oh. so like the combat and stuff like that is is turn based, and you're doing your rolling and your skill checks. But like speaking of Mass Effect, or you know, it's it's kind of fantasy cousin that Bioware makes in, in Dragon Age, mm-hmm. is it's kind of it's the character interactions and you know the how narrative and story driven it is. It's is very similar to. Um, to some of the the Bioware games, and it's it's called Baldur's Gate three because there's a Baldur's Gate one and two like twenty plus years ago, like in the early like two thousands, which were actually made by Bioware. <laughs> and oh, funny that's enough, funny. <laughs> like before before Kotor and Mass Effect and, and Dragon Age, like really early on. So it's right. it's kind of like a loose sequel. Like some, I guess, some of the characters from the original one pop up, but it's it's kind Got of it. like it's its own own game, which just in that world right and i think some of the characters um pop up because again elves and stuff live a long time but right that makes sense did you have any other specific questions no i just like didn't know i assumed it was a video game but i really did not i never it was one of those things where like when a video game's about to come out, you hear a lot of buzz about it, and this was one of those times, yeah. like Zelda, the new the last Zelda one, like I, you couldn't not hear about yeah. that for like two years. So it, this was yeah. just a weird thing where I you I only heard of it after it came out. So it, it just yeah. I was confused. I was like, not that I'm like in video game circles, but like ninety percent of my friends play video games. I feel like so I was just surprised. Maybe they just. Don't talk to me about video games because I don't usually play them, which makes complete sense. So, well, and for the longest time too, like I think it was only earlier this year that they like I was aware that they were doing the the console port of it because like it's technically like a CRPG, which is like a computer RPG, um, like it's the type of like and style of like 
game it is. So like that might be why like if the majority of your friends are console gamers, it's not you know it was something that like the the PC gamer world was well aware of for a while, and you know yeah. they're just the console port and. That's fair. Yeah. I feel it's, like it's nice to have. Sorry, it's nice to have D and D to play when my actual D and D gets canceled. Yeah. Yesterday afternoon. <laughs> I mean, I was just thinking. I feel like Lazi plays video games on his computer and on a console. Like he switches it yeah. up, but he. I think he's still playing Mass Effect and Zelda. <clears throat> the other big one that came out that's like a from the console side is like an xbox exclusive because microsoft bought the studio so i as a as a playstation family member <laughs> and a non-gaming pc haver i can't play starfield but that's the other one that came out mm, yeah like last week at the time of this recording that might have trickled through to the the normies i don't think that i have heard of that one and i am definitely less than a normie for um a for video games I don't know. If but yeah, Baldur's Gate 3, everyone's hot. And then like, you know, Mass Effect or Dragon Age or whatever those other Bioware games, it's like you have the romance element. and Oh, that's fun. You know. Yeah. Garrus forever. I think some some of them you can be like polyamorous with, but some of the characters don't like enough each other yes. to do it. And I haven't kind of figured that yeah. out. So. No, I got you. Because I feel like um, like if I had... If I, in Mass Effect 3, if I had sex with, like, my, like, secretary assistant person, then I could probably still have sex with someone else. But, like, if I pick Liara or Garrus, it's, like, very uh, monogamous. Yeah. Yeah, I'd actually just, like, picked up and finished, like, halfway through Mass Effect 2 and then finished Mass Effect 3, like, a month month or two ago. Like, my second playthrough that I think I started when you were in the middle of of yours because i did the infiltrator which is like what friend of the pod like you know because i was talking with tessa about it at the time mm-hmm. um and i think that's the class she normally plays yeah tessa and, and i so, have like, really finished our our like because we have a joint game um and yeah. we haven't finished mass effect 3 yet we are on hiatus <clears throat> yeah anyways I, I played that before and in that in that playthrough i romanced in one and three i romanced um kaden for the first time because oh, normally yeah. normally i'm like uh i'm because i i i think i did one playthrough of mass effect 2 when it first came out as like male shep but normally my shep is a femme shep mm-hmm. um and normally i'm just like I mean, it's hard to say no to Liara. Just look at those doe eyes. Um, <laughs> She's so but I tried the Caden one, and then in Mass Effect 2, I, like, hooked up with Garrus, and I felt bad when I had to break his heart because I wanted to, like, you know, do the Caden thing. Yeah. Caden ha- has his shirt off a lot when he's, like, in the hospital and stuff oh, in, he totally, in Mass Effect yeah. mm-hmm. 3 at the start there, and it's like, yes, baby. Mm-hmm. Yes. So in Mass Effect 1, I romance liara and then in mass effect 2 i romanced garris and at the beginning of mass effect 3 i was like i'm gonna pick liara like it was so i was so certain and then it came to the decision and i picked garris and i have not regretted it so i think i'm just a garris girly but if we could all fuck each other together then i would be so happy um you're staying with Garrus, you said, yeah, in 3? And yeah, I'm not I, done 3 yet. I am, I'm not finished, you, and I'm definitely not changing, yeah. so you can tell me whatever you're going to tell Kay. me. Okay. If you don't 
continue to romance Garrus in three. Um, there's this one cute scene near the end of the game where you go into like the gun room where he's always doing his calibrating and you catch him and Tally like making out. Oh my God. I, that's so cute. <laughs> right? I love that. So, I- so they have their own like off screen romance that you catch on after you spur after you're like, I mean, whether you yeah. um, dump Garrus or not, or yeah. don't, don't date him at all. They end up hooking up. That's so, so cute. I love that. Um, I, I love Tali so much. Like Tali, in my opinion is even though she- Shep was like a mentor towards her. I feel like they're best friends. Like they're like completely ride or die for each other in a way that I just think is wonderful. I really need to start playing Mass Effect again. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, back to the other space franchise that we talk about regularly. Yeah. Character motivations. That was my next thought on this. Like why is everyone even... Like, obviously, you want to kill the people that killed your people or whatever. <clears throat> Gira, uh, Gira. I don't know who Gira is. Kira tells Dukat, I'm only helping you because, like, 15 Bajorans were killed at that outpost. And while Dukat obviously, like, is angry that the Klingons did this, he's more motivated that he wants his life back, um... Since bringing Zial home, he lost his position in the government. He His wife left him and took the kids. Um, and he just wants, he wants to, he craves power and he wants it back. Yeah, whereas Kira only wants, reve- like, well, it's not really revenge, but it's like, well, they killed Bajorans too, so I'm on it. So I guess it's like... Yeah a little more altruistic and like a worry sort of way. Yeah, I feel like Kira um, thinks that she's going to get justice. Maybe. Yeah, there you go. There you go. That's that's better than yeah. revenge. Um I wanted to ask you yes. about Kira and Zial's relationship through this episode. Like there's the one scene where, you know, they're worried about cuz they're, you know, chasing down the Klingon ship and all of this and if the Klingons board and um Kira's doing kind of like the weapons training and talking about like, you know, Federation rifle has all these settings, you can't drag it through the mud whereas the Cardassian rifle, you know, is a lot more field friendly and, you know, you get some kind of different insight into um the different approaches to technology um and violence there but the question i had about that scene is did you read that as kira being maternal in any way a little bit like i feel that kira wants what's best for her and um i do appreciate that kira's honest with her um she wants Ziel to be able to defend herself. She doesn't want her to be in harm's way. Because um, Ziel didn't... She's innocent. And she didn't know... She didn't, like, have any say of, like, being in this... I mean, I guess none of us, like, asked to be born. Um, but, like, she didn't sign up for this, like, war that's happening, you know? Yeah. It's interesting because, like... You know, at this point, she wants to help her defend herself. But later in the episode, when it seems like the Klingons are going aboard, Kira 
doesn't seem as interested in training her more from the perspective. I think as the episode goes on, she realizes Zial shouldn't really be in this situation and that she tells her the best way to win a knife fight is not be in a knife fight, you know, or survive from a knife fight (laughs) is not be in one. And I feel like as this episode goes on, she really wants to protect her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The the reason that I ask is because it's like, did you think was, where, Zian, like, was she doing pl- like a parent trap or something? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Um. Yeah. No, I think a parent trap is a good way. There, I was like, yeah, I didn't quite think of it that way, but um, yeah, where it's like she's trying to play mediator and like. I think Zial obviously, you know, cares for her father. And I think there's some kind of like, you know, connection or respect or, you know, care or affection um, that Zial has for Kira. And yeah, I think she's, that's a good way to put it. I think she is kind of trying to like parent trap it, which is interesting because, I mean, she's not trying to bully it the way her dad is earlier, but like her dad, like you said, talking about, you know, kind of bullying the romance. It's like trying to create, this this other like situation um but yeah it's like two different angles and two different avenues like with the same outcome where it's like trying to create this weird i don't even yeah okay it is weird because of who called a is but this like weird kind of like family dynamic with maternal paternal and then kid like you know what i mean yeah i don't know that's definitely like the undercurrent right yeah, I'm, like, kind of all in on this parent trap um, thing, which did not hit me until I <laughs> literally said it, um, which is kind of still funny because she goes literally from one parent to the other, technically. <clears throat> well, and that's just, yeah, like, that's... So... That's why I asked, like, you know, if Kira was giving, like, maternal vibes to you or not, right? Yeah, like, I definitely think she was. But, like, maybe to... So... I would have read it that way, but maybe... I don't know if Kira would have seen it that way. She might have just seen it as helping someone, but I think that Zial wouldn't have been wrong seeing it that way, you know? There's a conversation between Zial and Kira, which is basically, like, the part I think feels parent-trappy or whatever. Uh, Or she's trying to, like, be this go-between the two of them. Zial is very well-meaning. I truly believe this. But I, it all feels yeah. extremely naive to me. Um, yes, Zial and Kira are friendly, but I don't, I don't think she understands enough about like what happened. I'm not saying she's like an idiot or anything. She's just very young and, <clears throat> and like I don't know that it was her place to be trying to get them to be friends. You know, he's like she's telling Kira that Zukat Kara was what she thinks of him, which is like pretty obvious in general but this all goes along with my feelings that i said earlier just like about it's always weird when the two of them are kind of like trying put together in like a friendly space um but i do think kira is correct when she's like ducat just wants me to forgive him (laughs) for for everything he did which leads to the question as to why why Kira? Why does he want absolution like from her? Why does she represent the totality of, of Bajorans to Dukat? 
I don't think that this was known yet, but I think my answer is a spoiler of something that happens later. Or at least that is probably not the act, which is probably not what the intention was in this episode, but like watching this episode, knowing the full show, it makes me think of like a specific thing. Uh, yeah, which if you've watched the the documentary, um, that specific thing you're thinking of happened because someone didn't want the other thing to happen. But Yeah, yep. But they end up defeating the bird of prey. They well, they didn't you know, even defeat it. Really, they uh, commandeered it. They did a switcheroo. Yeah, <laughs> switcheroo. they like beamed the Klingons to the freighter and the and the freighter crew to the bird of prey. And turns out the bird of prey had the whole Cardassian battle plan. So Ducat's ready to you know use that to get back in power. Um, against Kira's wishes, he he blows up the freighter with all the the like thirty six Klingons on it, um, and it turns out that Ducat doesn't like what the Jutapa Council wants to do. They're like, okay, we're not gonna fight back. You can come back and be our like head military general guy, but we're gonna seek a peaceful solution to this conflict. And Ducat's like fuck that, fuck them, I'm gonna go out and be a pirate and have my own private little war. And that's when Kira doesn't want Zeal to be in that life um, and invites her to DS9. So, to be continued. How do you feel about Jakarta's choice? It's really... He, he can get what he wants, but... Yeah, I feel that Dukat is making a stupid... Like, I think that Dukat is wrong and that he's gonna have people like rise up or whatever although i feel also that i don't remember what actually happens but kira is like telling him like the bajorans were united that is why we were able to win so well to be continued we'll have to keep watching and uh see what happens Mm-hmm. Well, now it's time for the Altair Water first Thirst Quencher. Altair Water first being mentioned in Star Trek Three by Dr. McCoy. Also, now retroactively, since Elise saw Forbidden Planet, a <laughs> reference to Alta from Altair Four. So, I was going to say, so Kira, who are you thirsting for? <laughs> so Elise. I don't think Kira so and I happens... are anything like each other, so I, I just know that was a slip of the tongue. Like, that's so funny. <laughs> I mean, you both have short hair, short-ish hair. I guess yours is growing out now, but anyways. I haven't had short Lisa... hair in, like, four years, just so you know. Well, I met you. you had... When I met you, you had short hair. Yes. Um, but you've seen me since with long hair. Very true. Um, but anyways, Elise, who are you thirsting for this week? I really enjoyed Kira, like explaining to Bashir how Shakar manipulated her into agreeing agreeing to go to this conference with like a sex and a massage basically whining Um, and dining yeah Yeah. it was very funny to me what about you it wasn't a particularly um, thirsty episode I I will say I was grasping and that was maybe the only sexy thing that happened in the episode yeah I also have the same nominee as most Star Trek thing for you is what I found in this episode. So what is our most Star Trek thing of the episode? The fact that Kira is going to a conference, but the conference never takes place because everyone's dead when they arrive. So it felt very like 
they never get to yeah. their destination, which is always a, yeah. a fun Star Trek uh, trope. So many conferences. <laughs> it's know. like... I mean... In, in the future, it'll all be conferences. That sounds so awful. I'm trying to have less meetings. Like, come on now. <laughs> this meeting could have been an email. Yeah. I mean, at least if you're going to a conference, you're like going somewhere, and that can be kind of fun. It's when they're all virtual conferences now, where it's like you're in a conference and you're yeah. just on fucking Zoom or whatever. It's yeah, like, no, no thank I you. hate that. I, I've been to one virtual conference because usually we don't like pay to have like me and my boss go to conferences which i'm not complaining about but i did like one of the covid years i had to do one of the conferences because we had already i remember we had already paid and had gotten canceled the like non-virtual one so we had enough credits where i just like got to also go to it they just like let you bring more people but just virtually nice (laughs) i guess (laughs) i have a one-day conference in november that i have to go into new york city for but anyway new york city yeah all right elise until next time where can folks find more of you on the internet you can find me on letterbox and storygraph at chicken double underscore tendy that's t-e-n-d-i you can find me on blue sky at chicken tendy you can find my other podcast bang bangers pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Blue Sky at Fangbangers Pod with a Z, as well as anywhere you listen to podcasts. Awesome. And you can find me on I say Twitter, Instagram, and Blue Sky at Fangbangers Pod. No. Um, you can find <laughs> me on on Blue Sky sometimes Twitter X whatever or Letterbox at, at Maddie Hugh M A T T Y H U G H. You can catch us together on Twitter, Instagram, and Blue Sky at Podrates, and you can also email us at podrace at gmail.com. Please remember to rate and review us on the podcatching system of your choice. Uh, thank you again to our editor Melissa and DJ Empirical for our interstellar theme song. And until next time, computer and program. Bye. Bye. Boing, 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 boing.